0: Hi, I am Nicole J. Georges. I am a queer, feminist, vegan cartoonist, teacher, and advice columnist living in Portland, Oregon, with my half-blind chihuahua, Ponyo Georges. Welcome to our podcast, Sagittarian Matters. Sagittarian Matters Sagittarian Matters Today on Sagittarian Matters, we talk advice, poetry, and more with my special guest, Eileen Miles. There is a lot to say about Eileen Miles. First of all, she is Sagittarius. Secondly, Eileen is better known as a poet. She has been writing for a very long time. She has 19 books out, at least, including... Chelsea Girls, and I Must Be Living Twice, new and selected poems. Her audiobook of Inferno, a poet's novel, is one of my favorite audiobooks. She ran for president of the United States of America in 1992, and most recently, a character was based off of her on the show Transparent, and Eileen herself was featured on Transparent as a friend of the person who was playing her, and then one of her poems was read on Transparent. So there is... There's a lot. Um, I met Eileen in 2007 on the Sister Spit Tour, and we have been friends ever since. Uh, hi, my name is Randy Weinberg. I'm calling from the suburbs of Chicago, and I'm interested in poetry, and I've identified a poetry workshop I want to go to. Um, but my question for... Um, Mrs. Miles is how do I convince my husband to let me go to the poetry workshop? How do I get out of the house? Basically, how do I get out of the house? That's the question. Thank you, um, Mrs. Miles. Goodbye.
1: You know, I mean like it's sort of like poetry is sort of like a high, you know, it's like a very high-end practice like something that that people have to make big trades to do because everybody knows it's like When when what was her name, Randy, when Randy starts to write poetry, her husband knows that he doesn't know what's going to happen next. It's a gateway drug to a whole lot of behaviors that are going to make him unhappy. So I say throw him a big bone right away and like, you know, encourage. She should slyly think about which one of her friends her husband would actually like to bone and and just kind of try and make it happen. Try and make it happen and act like she doesn't know. And then she will see that when she moves closer to that poetry workshop, he'll be like, sure, honey, that sounds great. Um, And it'll all be she'll be completely in control. and It'll be all her doing. And she'll be closer to the heart of a life life of poetry by doing that, by taking a big risk and not caring about, you know, who um, Mr. Weingarten, I think was Mrs. Weingarten's um, surname, um, who he's boning doesn't matter. She wants to get to the poem and get close to her own bone. Which I think is what what I hear in Randy's voice. I hear a woman that wants to get close to her own bone.
0: Get close to your own bone, Randy. Right. Very nice. Thank you. Wait, what what if the friend is not at all interested in her husband? Does that matter?
1: Um, Well, then move on. Find another friend. It's like basically find (laughs) someone that her husband can and will fuck. Okay. And then close, and then act like she doesn't know. That's key because it's much more exciting for the husband to think that he's doing something really naughty to her behind her back. And that's again, that's what poetry is: sneaky shit. Is it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Do you know? Oh, go ahead. If you were ever dating a poet, you would be having sex with them, and then they would go, oh, "I got to go to the bathroom," and they would go to the bathroom, and they would be writing about it. Oh. I'm really? <laughs> fucked up. Messed up. Not good people.
0: I'm currently wondering if I. And if I come across as a trustworthy person or not based on the amount of tattling I've done.
1: Right. Right. I don't think I just I mean, frankly, you don't, you don't radiate trustworthiness. <laughs> I too much dark. <laughs> There's I a lot tragedies? of dark pleasure. There's what? a lot of dark pleasure lapping around in your realm. Uh-huh. I think <laughs> it's, it's part as your appeal, but I don't think anybody would say I would vote. I would not vote for Nicole.
0: <laughs> you're really telling me something that um basically I play the game Mafia with my friends where it's like you're you have to guess like you pretend like you're a township and some of the people are mafia and some of them aren't right. and it, they've been chosen almost randomly by the host right. but I always get voted as mafia first
1: Oh yeah oh yeah if not mafia married to the mafia I'm sorry Thank you well, born born into the mafia
0: I, yeah. I Possibly was born into the Syrian mafia, Eileen. This is the truth. That's but cool. A dark pleasure is swirling within. Well,
1: <laughs> she I was lapped around, actually. Lapping
0: around my my <laughs> ankles. <laughs> well, thank you. Oh hey there. Uh, my name is Barry. I'm curious, uh, what is the difference between a poem and a short story that's all cut up into lots of little pieces? Thank you.
1: Barry might have might be a bit of a sociopath because it's just like to to go right to that cutting up the poem into a lot of little pieces I feel like there's a little bit of a thread in there um but maybe I'll just maybe I'll give the Barry the (laughs) the benefit of the doubt as we say in the field um well what is the difference oh I think I mean like I think I have to answer with my heart on this one I think um a poem is a little song you can't you know it's a poems a little song you know it just kind of happens that way and there's a certain kind of um, a short story cut up into a lot of little pieces is still i mean the the joke about a short story is it's not so short put it next to a poem it's like putting like an ant next to a midget you know this is the midget looks big you know it's sort of like a poem a poem is kind of tiny but but it actually it's like it holds a lot of space so it's like it's kind of conflicted tiny in a way but a short story is just material it just is what it is you get a seven page story you cut it up into pieces you still have a seven page story you know it's just a way of yeah yeah i think it's a style question so tell Barry to go ahead and rearrange that all those little pieces even though i found that a little scary um but um it's just it just it ain't the same it ain't the same thank you yeah. No. There's no interior space. You cut up a short story. Whether it already exists or it's in all these little pieces, there's no interior space. It just is what it is.
0: Mm, the space.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Poetry always has an interior. That's the realm of the sneaky shit.
0: You just blew my mind a little bit.
1: Oh, good. Okay. Oh, good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I wrote in my notes from seeing you. So I always take notes whenever anything happens. In yeah, the, I know. Um, I was taking notes from one of your talks, and you said a poem can always be leaner and meaner, and I just think about that whenever I'm writing or editing, right. or editing, like the words of a comic. I'm like, it's stronger for it, if it's leaner and meaner.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smaller is good.
0: But then, yeah, all the space. That's a weird thing that poetry and comics have in common. Oh, hello, my name is Svetlana. I'm calling from previous former Soviet Republic of Latvia in, uh, like, question don't have lesbian here in this country, you uh, we have the word lesbian, but uh, it's illegal for the most part to be lesbian and so I've only been lesbian uh, one to two times uh, with a friend of mine who also is lesbian, but uh, I know that Ms. Miles, you um, have um, been lesbian many times and uh, my question is how do you keep all of the vagina straight in your mind, how do you not confused what is the difference between uh, how can I say how do I say uh, you've seen a little vagina are they like snowflakes
1: I love that Svetlana is diving right in to the vagina
0: Svetlana wants to know how do you my only question is how do you keep all the vaginas straight in your mind
1: right No, that that I heard what's the
0: difference uh, are they like a snowflake (laughs)
1: that's right 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 yeah they are a snowflake but I have to say even just when I thought about when I talked about your particular gestalt and I said that there was all this kind of whatever kind of energy was lapping around I feel like once you start like courting the vaginas I mean they're all different of course but they're in a way you're sort of living in a different space which is being in and with one big hovering vagina in a way whether it be your own or a projected one onto another or um is maybe but i mean svetlana has brought up a difficult word which is the the vagina it's sort of like this the question it's a very strange question is the vagina going is the vagina passe right are we post vagina you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um how can i answer that questions i mean because i think i loved i loved how svetlana put it it was sort of like um, that that one to two times she had she 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 had been lesbian you know and um, many times been I had many times been lesbian you know which I thought I mean I think she's got talking into a reality and I think the vagina magically flips one who considers oneself a lesbian or queer but queer with the female body or you know and so on, flips one into the new space, which is, a radic- I think, a radically different space. Um, but I think, but I think we, are, we are in very interesting territory now because I think the word vagina is very triggering. I think for trans women, there's yeah. just to say the literal vagina. I think Svetlana may not have um, been in, in and around this kind of verbal um, quandary which we find ourselves in in fact i would say the verbal quandary might be the new vagina and i think that is something we need to all kind of consider that trans women and um i hesitate to call myself a cis woman i mean i feel like there's i'd like to call myself a lot of different things but but so cis woman somehow doesn't seem like the one that and i can't speak for um Svetlana but I feel like I think falling into a bigger theoretical vagina might be something that all female identified people need to be willing to take on we can't be I don't think anybody can be anti the vagina because well just put it this way none of us got here through any other door so you can't hate you can't hate where you came from You know, but what do you do with it afterwards, whether you have one or not have one? Does that make you female or not female? I mean, I don't privilege the vagina over trans women, but I think the theoretical space that that began with the vagina has to be allowed and and can't be. I don't think we can have contempt for the vagina. But but to back to Svetlana, I want to say they're not the same, but you start to be in all of them all the time. And that's the new that's the new realm.
0: You like know, you Think about them all the time. What's that? Like they're with you all the time. Or are you?
1: Yeah, it's sort of like they're both with you in your head, and you're sort of physically somehow in them with your body. It's sort of like when one confronts a vagina for the first time, you either go, "I can't go there," or you dive in in some way. And once you have crossed that, I think once you cross that threshold, you don't cross back. You know, you're forever changed. <laughs>
0: I think that's true. I mean, they, they are, I have to say they, they are like s- snowflakes. I don't know, Svetlana.
1: I, I, well, you like, that's, that's your poetry. That she snowflake. must be quite
0: a poet that she said, are they like snowflakes? Um. Did she say that? Yes. She said, I are said they that. like snowflakes?
1: Oh <laughs> God, she, my God, she's like, she should, I hope she meets the other Mrs. What was her name? Randy. If Randy and Svetlana <laughs> met, I, I, I feel, I feel lightning.
0: I, I feel, sparks. Yeah, cold <laughs> sparks. Hello, I'm British, in case you couldn't tell from my accent. We here in England consider ourselves the originator of the written word. So it's a little bit. Oh, it chuffs my hide to see you, American people, acting like words are yours. That said, Ms. Miles, what's
1: your favourite word? Huh. You know, I know. Um, God, God. I mean, I'm a little afraid I don't have a favorite word. What can I say? I just feel like I liked, I like this person, how this person said hide. And I thought hide is a good word. And I think God is a good word. One always gets full of feeling and goes, God, you know, and I love that. Um, so I think those, those are two words that I like. Um, I mean, I have more like words I hate like shard,
0: you, hate you know, shard?
1: it's like S H A R D shard is a word I really hate. Um, I don't like filigree either. Oh. There's cert- there's certain pretty words that I find really repulsive and, um, and I don't like the word liver because I don't like liver. So that's a trouble, you know, yams. I don't like yams cause I don't like yams. Um, I don't know. I i have a bad answer for this bloke, and I apologize. I apologize for all of America. I'm sorry.
0: We apparently don't know about words. What, do you have a we don't know
1: piece? about words. Do you we have a poetry about...
0: pet peeve? Pardon me? Do you have a poetry pet peeve?
1: A poetry pet peeve. Yeah, yeah. It's like people saying words really carefully, like, this is a poem now, and in this poem is a ripe day, a day, you know what I mean? Like that thing where you're like, Oh my God, you know, you just like, you feel like something's being done to you, you know, and you (laughs) feel, you know, I feel like, I feel like I do not want to be in the space, you know, where this person is so full of their own language and they're like throwing out, like, it's like a wallet on a string. That's just being thrown out and you're supposed to be, Interested And and yet the way they're saying it makes you feel the absolute opposite. And so it's a very I mean, it's a very conflicted feeling that that kind of diction creates. So my thing about poetry is it's like I like to read as if there was a band playing and you could only hear some of the words or, you know, you were just or you were just thinking about something else. And so you might hear something I said and then not hear the rest. I think that's fine. You got to act as if most people are not listening.
0: That's
1: how yeah, I act most of the time. <laughs> right, right. I feel like it's, it sort of makes people feel like they can be there, I think. Yeah, male creative porn ends for 100 years and female creative porn begins. I mean, like, not that doesn't exist at all, but it kind of doesn't exist at all, basically, for all intents and purposes. So, that ends for a hundred years. I think war, I think ends for a hundred years. Yeah,
0: why not a hundred? Huh? You may as well say a hundred.
1: I think so. Alongside porn, I think all art making, which included like literature and poetry and um, television and film and architecture, um, ceased for like a hundred years. You know and, and being made by men
0: only when it's made by men
1: only when it's made by men and and being pretty exclusively made by women and women identified people um but this is all to the betterment of all people i think you know because i think the what people what were trying to create with with the paris thanksgiving manifesto is um the just the um it's the the placement of a female reality in which um Everybody can live in and to see what that feels like. Right. You know, for say a century.
0: Yeah, just a century. Yeah. Um, I have a couple of legitimate questions for you. I have an earnest question for you. Earnest, okay, cool. Quite earnest from my Midwestern heart is Did you have gay woman role models growing up? Because I can't, I feel like a caveman. Like, if I see someone else doing something, then I know that I can do it. And I was thinking oh, right. about, and right. I, found my, I found my sister's spit tapes from 2007, and I, I haven't found your coming out story on there yet. I thought I had recorded it, but maybe I didn't. But I was thinking about you telling me your coming out story from the 60s, and I was thinking about you as a poet coming up, and I was like, who, was there oh, I, anyone that you could look at?
1: I came out in the 70s. You know, or like maybe you late- guys
0: had like a border in the 60s or something, right?
1: Oh, we had, yes, 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 yes. We had tenants. We had, um, we had tenants. Downstairs, a dyke couple. And so that was a certain first exposure. Yeah, all my first exposures were like sort of harrowing, and I think they contributed to me not wanting to be lesbians, unless I consider the nuns who educated me for 12 years, many of whom were certainly lesbians. Um, but again, that was also mostly harrowing, you know? Yeah. Um, I think they're probably, I mean, Jill Johnston was probably the coolest model that because when I was in Boston I read the column, I read the Village Voice from time to time and um, and she had a column about being a lesbian and it was just unbelievable that one could be talking about this and doing it and doing it in this art world way and it just she just made it seem like cool
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: like wow you know she was just creating her own she had her own borders which were not anybody else's which was really great
0: mm-hmm. so then you could look up to her what about in writing I mean, besides the column, like, were there any other women poets that you looked up to or lesbian poets that you... Yeah, I mean... That be I mean like, That's a life. That's how to do it.
1: Yeah, I think Judy Gron, Judy Gron, amazing. I mean, she's still, like, she has a poem called A Woman is Talking to Death, which is still my favorite, one of my favorite poems of all time. And um, I don't know. I mean, I, unfortunately, they're all, I mean, like, I, I come into Audre Lorde, in a certain way but she's still not really one of my poets i mean like the 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 dyke poets of color are people i know now you know like erica doyle is one of my favorite poets period you know but um i guess olga brumas you know she's like my we're like the same age but she won some yale award in the 70s um just when i was like a young i mean it was just like whoa it was like her book was called beginning with O," and she was talking about an orgasm i was like what the fuck she's really you know and it was you know she's great she's really good i mean it's like we're really different poets but personally i love her and i love her work and she's amazing um i'm trying to think of who else yeah i mean valerie Solanus, i consider a poet you know i mean i think she was really the scum manifesto was is such an act of poetry, you know, and such an act of of attention-getting language vigilance, you know. Like she just changed everything with the Scum Manifesto, and she just entered that, you know. Like when people, I love when people talk about white feminism. Like it's like as bad as the vagina. And like you know what? I'm sorry, Valerie Solanas was a white feminist. You know what I mean? And it's just like tell me that she is like. You know, Gloria Steinem or whoever you're currently hating. You know, it's just like it's so reductive, it kind of ignores class and sexuality and behavior and geography and everything that then crime and everything we're capable of, you know, it's sort of like white feminism makes it sound like, you know, it's just that if you put the two together, you've excluded so many other things that that, that aren't out of the picture at all, you know. Mm-hmm. But yes, yeah, so line, is probably my favorite lesbian poet.
0: I remember reading the Scum Manifesto in high school and just, poof, like, my brain exploded. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't... I, I almost don't even want to go there for the podcast because it's too controversial, but it was crazy that um, people couldn't hold her con- her historical context and importance at the same time as our current, uh, like, love and acceptance of trans women and... You know, the current situation where, you know, like Valerie Solanus, like people were really being really angry about her when Michelle T was trying to have this Valerie Solanas reading. And through Facebook, people were harassing Michelle so much that she just canceled the reading.
1: Oh, wait, I don't know anything about this. Oh, well,
0: it seems like a big controversy to get into for the podcast. But uh, um, uh, Michelle was going to have a reading for the anniversary of the Scum Manifesto a few years ago. Right. And then, and it had all kinds of people were reading at it. There were, you know, trans men, trans women, lesbians, straight people, like all kinds of people reading at it. And then some people got agitated about it because she, I can't remember if she talks about what she, there was something she said that people, it rubbed them as transphobic. Right. And so then just Facebook just like started melting with all the fire and flames and michelle was right. so stressed out that she just canceled the event
1: right right i mean i have to say i mean i just like, you know the we the thing that is going on right now is is that you know there's there's this large conversation which i mean what the easiest way to call it is lgbt that everybody is in this conversation together but i think that since the Trans people are sort of the newest people In the conversation there's a tendency To say that they're going to set the tone for the Conversation and I, you know I do I do object to that I feel like it's Sort of like I want us To meet you know I want there to be some Where, where you don't get utterly phobic About all that's been said and done For 20 or 50 or 100 years of, of Queerness and feminism like to throw It all out is, is what everybody does When they have a revolution it was just like All you fuckers are gone you know because we're the new kids here um, but you know it's obviously I'm not, I'm not prepared to stop, stop living or stop speaking or stop reading certain things because they, they technic- have many technical objections to how one conceives of existence and having a body you know as a trans person you know but I don't know it just there's, there's I'm going to say a bombshell word there's an element of colonialism here which everybody, I think, you know, like trans, I think transness is very dominated too by a generation of people who are highly theoretical, very educated in gender and queer theory, and and, and trans theory, you know? And, um, but I think these same people are also aware of coloniality, you know? And I think there's gotta be a way in which, you know, being a white feminist, being, being a dyke, um, acknowledging the, the you know i do i do own a vagina and and it's just and and i think i also think that we live with we live with guesswork you know what i mean like i think despite the fact that we never know what gender anybody else is and there is something both harrowing and presumptive about 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 deciding that nicole has a vagina you know and i'll talk to her you know it's like we do we do live our lives on hunches so there's a weird you know it's sort of like i think the realm of the in-between is is where we really live you know it's sort of like it's sort of like theoretically it's fucked to decide to to you know like to impose the vagina as as you know like some kind of bottom line but on the other hand one just goes through life guessing and surmising all the time and it's like so what do we i mean we can't live in an utterly theoretically successful space i don't think it's a real place you know and i think when there's this you know like there's just this tendency to condemn anyone for everything up to here because now we're in this revolution and i understand it and i you know like i see all the power In the world to that revolution But I also don't want to be Annihilated, vanished or silenced You know because of coming To the spot where I stand in a different way And knowing different things and having a different Experience of my body you know and making Different choices you know it's just like I I I, I, I guess it it rankles me To be I mean like God you know Like Jill and I wrote that (laughs) That manifesto This is
0: a great segue to the manifesto by the way (laughs)
1: yeah and it's just like we literally mentioned vaginas and i think that you know and and you know it's so weird i've gone from having been like you know my have having cameos on on transparent and transparent creating a space in which we have the mitch fest and berlin and so that's people who we would normally we would call turfs and i never even heard of turfs until this this whole thing occurred. I actually you know?
0: only learned about Turfs after reading the Twitter brigade that came after you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, I we, was we like. We should say what that means. A turf is oh, a I mean, trans exclusionary radical feminist. So it's like yep. the old guard of lesbians who do not accept trans women.
1: Who say women born. There was a sign at the Mitch Fest, apparently, that said women born, women only. And trans women were not welcome, you know, and that just set up a firewall, I mean, between the generations. And that's another, I mean, like another thing, it's so intense, it's sort of like, one is, I consider myself third wave, I didn't, I didn't come up through second wave feminism. I mean, I was exposed to it. But it's like, because I'm not that middle class white feminist, it just didn't work for me. And it wasn't my movement, you know, and third wave. I, I feel like I found my people there and I found my culture, you know, and, and I may be the wrong generation to be third wave, but that's how I experienced myself. Um, but, um, oh God. So, so the so TERFs so
0: came after you.
1: The TERFs came after me because they decided that the fact that Transparent had included a Berlin cutaway meant that they were saying that lesbians at Mischfest were Nazis, which is just so kind of like nextness is not you know, is not theory, is not comparison, you know, it's sort of like, I mean, I even just was close enough to the production of those, that episode to know that it came late in the editing process, and it wasn't a, it wasn't an idea cut, it was a spatial cut, you know, it was like, you know, and I knew it was low, I mean, one, one, they took a risk, you know, but that still doesn't mean that that's what they meant, you know, it's sort of like, and I think that's the problem with like everything, with reading poetry, with thinking about, our own bodies and other people's bodies is that there isn't a meaning you know it's like there are meanings there's this plurality i think i thought that's what we discovered at the end of the 20th century and the beginning of the 21st that it's sort of like everything is a multiple you know and and so but the turfs don't see it that way there was one that you know trans people were trans women were a threat to feminism you know and a woman's body and as it was defined but um yeah but so then later but then but but by the time jill and i or by the time i wrote an essay i we got it we got it some for jill got it mostly for mentioning vaginas in our manifesto but when i wrote about hillary clinton and mentioned that I was very excited about a vagina In the Oval Office, people went fucking crazy You know, and the problem Too is, just, it's like, like, if I say Vagina, and you don't have a vagina But you define yourself as a woman Why do you experience yourself as a race? That doesn't make sense to me It's sort of like, there is, we can't we can't Talk about what's there If every there projects a Absence, I mean, I feel like People go to Al-Anon for that Issue, you know, it's sort of like If I start talking about You know, I mean, it's just sort of like I'm here and there's somebody in the room, you know. But if I'm talking about what I am and what I have at inventory myself, that doesn't exclude you.
0: It can be both and. Exactly, exactly.
1: So I feel like there's a a conversation that, I mean, that needs to be had about these issues because I think it's sort of like every presence is not an absence. You know, every vagina is not the absence of a penis or another genital set, you know. It's just, you know. It's a statement of of presence That one is doing for a purpose You know, and again, I don't know I don't know if Hillary Clinton has a vagina So, you know, like so, in, in you know, in a very large sense, it's accurate, but I have a really strong hunch that she has a vagina, you know, and it's sort of like, and historically somebody with a vagina has never sat in an oval office. I, I think of it as a little earth shaking, you know, and, and I know that might be a problematic state statement for some people, but it's just like, there are many statements to be made, you know, and, and, um, and I'm excited about everyone making them, you know,
0: um, I really liked the Manifesto. Thank you. Part of the Manifesto said that you wanted men to stop making art for a hundred years.
1: Right, 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 right.
0: I liked that part. And then I posted it on Facebook. And then Mm -hmm. people were like, well, to be fair, and people started nitpicking it and getting down into the, you know, as if it were everything. People are taking everything very literally on the internet.
1: I know it's it's a space it's a flat space where's art where's
0: the room for art or interpretation or being like why would somebody say that what does that mean you know exactly what would it be like if there was room for other voices to come forward like right or like with the transparent thing like there isn't room for art there people are like one-to-one they're like I see nazis I see lesbians what you're saying is lesbians are nazis like where's the I guess that that's the bummer about you know you saying we need to have a conversation is I wish the conversation could be not on the internet. I wish the conversation could include tone and nuance right. and empathy yeah. that's fostered by being in front of a person who you're talking to or talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean as soon as there was
1: email or as soon as there was like you know um, what was the one that we were all we were all on um, AOL like mm-hmm. at the beginning and it was sort of like I remember them having like these, like a writer's room, you know? And I remember going to the writer's room and it was completely straight. And I was like, where are the queers? And all these voices came forward and said, wrong room, you know? And I felt like I was being told to go to that other room. I couldn't, I couldn't. And I think there was a niche thing that really began as soon as we were on the internet, you know, that everybody had their own little, um, little tight tiny club and you were you were really supposed to have all your freedom within that tiny space and not you know like not mess it up with the other spaces even though I think what we're really interested in like even the there was a it's less so now but there was a fad for I mean there's been a fad for a while of people doing their lists things they like people they like places they go because everybody's list is so different and we're always excited by the inventory of impossible things being next to each other So it's sort of really weird that these two things are right there at the same time. This kind of this delight in knowing that everybody's browser is different and yet this kind of like horror at that difference. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Like everybody wants to be in a conflict-free space and that's just a a fucking lie. There's no such place.
0: Yeah. I like to be in a conflict-free space. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes, yes, me too. But, me but too. then
0: things happen. Like I, I get PMS and yesterday I yelled at the sun, fuck you, because it went behind the clouds and I had right. to turn on the light in the house in the middle of the day. Yeah, and so I yeah, say, yeah. You know what? Fuck you to the sun. Um, right, so right. There isn't a yeah. conflict-free space. And then I go on the internet and I see people getting flamed on Twitter. and um... Yeah, yeah. Um, What would you do if I told you that jill had made some of those crank phone calls
1: <laughs> i wouldn't believe it i wouldn't believe it i know it's impossible I, so to believe she's too full of respect and awe for both of us <laughs> to ever move into this space and and um make those kinds of strange provocative is she i mean she just she's not an actor or performer too so no. i don't think she has the capacity she's just one there's just one jill one kind of jill that you know, does transparent and maybe is involved with like, I love Dick and you know, but, um,
0: how would she even have the time?
1: Exactly. 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 Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, that no, no possibility of those voices were Jill. You think they were?
0: I, when I was listening to them, I started chortling because I started to recognize a certain timber in one of the, I was like, Oh my God, I'm getting calls from all around the world. This is incredible.
1: Right, and yet I know the Chicago one. I thought about it was like that Randy. I was like, oh, I don't know. I wonder is that? Po- I mean, I thought about it.
0: No, but- the the one with the woman who was trapped in her home, <laughs> waiting for her husband to fall asleep so she could scurry to a poetry workshop was right, real. Exactly. That's very real. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't know what else. I don't have anything else official to say. Um, I'm I-
1: I know. I feel like we've really had our had our big arcs. These, this conversation's been pretty great.
0: We had our big arcs. The last time I saw you was in Paris, I should say. Yes, it was I know. incredible <laughs> to see you in Paris. Right.
1: You right, were right. there.
0: They were having an Eileen Miles symposium.
1: Oh, that was so nuts! Yeah, that was really sweet.
0: Which is so lucky for those people to get to just read your work and talk to you and hang out with you for two or three days. They did the smartest thing in the world, which was it
1: wasn't academics presenting papers. It was just people who came to talk and we talked for a day and a half. It was at first I thought, oh, no, this is just going to be like one long interview, you know? Yeah. And, and then I just realized that it was just like it was one long conversation and I didn't have to experience it that way. I could experience it any way I wanted to and, and, and not feel on the spot, but just feel like a kibitzer on this subject that I happen to be fully loaded with information about. Which is my,
0: yeah, yeah. It
1: was was very, it was really fun.
0: Eileen, you're Sagittarius. I am. So our end notes should be something about being a Sagittarius,
1: right? Right. Let's see. What can we say about being Sagittarius? Well,
0: just so you know, I have a lot of Capricorn in my chart, which weighs down the Sagittarius. I can feel that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I have I have Pisces in my chart, which which complicates the Sagittarius. You know, and then I have. Leo, which like, oh yeah, gives me a certain funny gravitas that's not Sagittarian at all. But I had a totally Sagittarian – Sag to be Sagittarian is to have really ridiculous experiences in the world, um, and 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 often with animals so yesterday there's like there's something there's a place called i'm here in marfa and there's a place called mims ranch which is this beautiful water conserving ranch that that has a long trail going out into the prairie and there's tumbleweeds and there's there's horses and cattle and rabbits and it's really great And so i bring honey on a run there um and and I hadn't I, I was I had a cold in New York before I was here and so I was like not getting any exercise for a couple of weeks and stuff so this was like yesterday this is like the birth of back to the body and feeling good and stuff I take honey there and we start to go on our run and I'm going sort of slow because I feel like I'm really out of shape and then um she starts to go really fast. And usually when she does that, it's because somebody's running fast. And it's good because sometimes she just gets sort of pissy and doesn't want to run at all. And I just have the, the dog that won't move. And I was begging her and stuff. So she's running fast. And I was like, this is exciting. But she's running too fast. And I can barely keep up with her. So I think I've let go of her leash. I mean, you're supposed to hold on to your dog's leash on in this on this ranch. And I thought I've let go of her a few times. She always comes back. So I let go of her. And – then I see what it is. There's a whole bunch of cows and a few bulls in the field out there, and that's what she wants. And she starts running after them, and she starts, and I start calling her and calling her, and she won't come back. And I'm calling her, and she won't come back. And then, and then I think, fuck, I've got to go out there, into the the farm, the ranch land, and get her. And so then we begin a game, which went on for at least an hour, oh and my I was. God horrified that it would be like hours and days which is that honey would be because the cows and the bulls didn't want to go they were just standing there they just wanted to be eating grass and hang out in the sun but every time I chased honey and Honey was just sort of standing there full of awe, looking at them like, oh, my. She loves big animals. She loves horses. She loves cows. She loves – she's so excited. And she just wants to nuzzle like there's a, there's a horse at the beginning of this ranch. And she just is transfixed. And when she gets close, she just wants to rubber nuzzle against their nuzzle. And it's amazing. I mean she's kind of an incredible dog. So with these guys, she's just like staring there full of awe. But I start creeping up from behind her. You know, And she's on her leash still, so I know that the deal is if I can step on the leash, I've got her. So it's a, like I'm just sort of creeping up, creeping up, and then I get close, and then I speed up. And then she turns, and the second she turns and sees me coming, she starts running. And then the cows start running. And then they're all – and then I can't keep up with any of them. They're all fast animals, and they're running in big circles. And then this just went on. I ran for five miles. I <gasps> This was on for, an I'm like screaming at the top of my lungs. <laughs> and, and, and then it's so, and then I'm like noticing there's bulls with horns in this field, you know, like yeah. you know the the cartoon characters being ch- And every now and the bull, like she would get into the nuzzle thing with the bull and they'd be running their, you know, rubbing their, their mouths and their jaws against each other. But then the bull would just turn its head and look at me like what are you doing? And I thought, Oh fuck. I thought, I'm going to be like found in a field, gored, you know, and the honey is just running with the cows for the rest of her life, you know? And, and finally it just ended because she was ready. It's just like, I had no power whatsoever. You know, it was just like at a certain point she let me catch her. There was no two ways about it. Cause she was flirting and laughing and enjoying the whole thing, the whole ride. And I feel like this is so Sagittarian.
0: Oh, yeah. Like well, she was acting Sagittarian Or it was Sagittarian my, Let ex-
1: go of the leash The experience The whole experience yeah. was Sagittarian and Letting go of the leash Yes This kind of desire for freedom Just to bestow freedom on the other And then to suddenly be in this kind of completely I feel like comic outdoors is very Sagittarian You know like And and, and also just this engagement with animals and And really foolish And my legs are completely covered with like you know scratch they look like i was just running in the field naked for years you know she's fine she didn't pick up a, a single thistle or anything which is incredibly crazy
0: that is a sagittarian moment
1: yes yes
0: a sagittarian do you agree with the idea that we are sensitive brutes
1: oh god yes yes absolutely that's that's a beautiful way to put it i i take that totally wholeheartedly
0: one of my friends who had dated and then befriended Sagittarians said that about us
1: sensitive roots yeah yeah
0: well thanks for being on Sagittarian Matters Eileen oh
1: my god this has been so wonderful of course what could be better than a Sagittarian show thank you so much you're so great
0: Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Panyo Georges Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Sagittarian Matters In this interview, we mention our friend Jill Soloway, the creator of Transparent, and we also mention a manifesto that Eileen and Jill wrote together over Thanksgiving. You can find the manifesto at topplethepatriarchy.com.